Okay, welcome back, Bible Braced, Bible Study Lesson 31. Again, if you've not listened to Enter to Bible Study, the link for that is in our show notes. And then follow along on Lessons 1 through 30, and that will bring you up to date with where we're at right now. For those that are following along, we were in John 4, and we've been talking about Jesus leaving Samaria, going back into Galilee, even though a prophet has no honor in his own country. We talked about the people there being excited about him coming because they were at the feast in Jerusalem and they saw him do some miraculous works, we can assume from the passage. But then we know too from Jesus in Jerusalem saying that he didn't entrust himself to these reactions because he knew the heart of man. And so it's kind of a touching thing that he's going back in, even though there is not ultimately true belief here, it seems like. And then we were saying that he's in Cana again. So he's made a big circle in his ministry so far. I mean, a little bit of an oddly shaped circle, <laughs> if you consider him going up for the baptizing region after Jerusalem and then cutting through Samaria. But essentially, he's made kind of a big circle. And he's in Cana, which is about a day's walk from Capernaum, which is on the Sea of Galilee. But in Capernaum, there's a certain royal official whose son was sick. And when he heard that Jesus had come from Judea into Galilee, this verse 47 of John 4, went to him and asked that he come down and heal his son, for he was about to die. Some things that are sticking out to me right now, just reading this cursory, I think that first I want to know if this is a Roman official or a Jewish royal official. So that's something we'll have to look into. Secondly, if your son is dying, would you travel a day away to get help? that will take a day to come back. You know what I mean? There's quite some desperation here, but there's also, I think, faith that this man can actually heal his son. Because if my loved one was dying, I don't know that I would travel a day away to try to bring them help. I would want to stay with them while they died, right? Or or try to find something in the area, something more quick. This to me just sounds like desperation, but it also sounds like faith that this will work. Otherwise, why leave your son who's dying? in his last days, right? That just sticks out to me. Maybe I'm misreading that, but I think that's interesting. John 4, let's go here real quick. Let's see if there's any information on this official. Okay, it says official. This term most likely designated someone officially attached to the service of King Herod, Antipas, Tetrarch of Galilee. Okay, which is really interesting because we know that Herod's referred to as a king. And the fact that this is a royal official kind of alludes to that connection. The Romans didn't have kings. They had emperors. They had more of a democratic government in some phases of their being. I'm not sure really this time period where they were at with all that, but I know they had an emperor. And so the idea of royalty, I guess, could potentially be Roman flavoring with an emperor as well as kingly flavoring with Herod. (laughs) But Herod is an official, a local official, if you will. He's like a little king over this region of Galilee under still ultimately the the order of Rome. And so from what I remember of Herod, and I haven't done deep dive search on this, and I could be wrong. (laughs) Do your own search if you are more interested in learning more about him. But my understanding of Herod is that he is Jewish, but that he does not follow. He is a syncretist at best, right? Um, He really brings in aspects of Jewish culture and kind of marries them with Roman culture and with whatever he wants to do. And so he's not someone that we would think of as a godly Jew. And uh, 
he is not, I think people who were in his court and who were a part of his entourage would have been not accepted readily by those of like the religious leaders. They got around, they communicated with each other because they both were power hungry, right? And they were both necessary for keeping control, I use in quotations, of this region and of this area of the world of Palestine. But I think it would be appropriate to say that because of the religious differences, because of the compromise, I think, that Herod and his family would have had to make to stay in power under Rome and all that. These were not good Jews, right? And so someone in his court probably wasn't a good Jew either, I can assume. Someone who probably is not living a life that is separate, probably much more combined with Roman practices and had sold out, I guess, would be a way of looking at it from like a good Jew's perspective. Now, this is me remembering aspects of Herod over many years of hearing about him and not having studied him recently. So some of this might not be true. <laughs> and so I'm stepping away from the microphone to, to comment on these things. But it's just kind of an interesting flavor to the idea here about this royal official going to find Jesus and the fact that he's looking for anything to kind of save his son. It just is interesting. And we remember, too, that King Herod is over the region of Galilee. He has recently arrested John the Baptist, which is kind of interesting, too. So it says, verse 47, that he went down and asked him to come down and heal his son, for he was about to die. And verse 47, my footnote in my MacArthur Study Bible says, the man repeatedly begged Jesus to heal his son. His approach to Jesus was out of desperation, but he had little appreciation of who Jesus was. In light of verse 46, apparently the official's motivation centered in Jesus' reputation as a miracle worker rather than as Messiah. And that would seem to kind of coincide with what we know of what this man probably practiced day to day. His knowledge of the scriptures is probably not that great. Is he looking for the Messiah when he's living in a royal court under Herod and he's very happy to be, you know, a prosperous person at this time period? Probably not. So he hears that Jesus is a miracle worker, essentially, and that's why he's here, not because he thinks he's the Messiah. So, and that seems to read from the text and from the response Jesus has, because if you're just reading the text by itself, it would seem to look like, hey, here's a man who's in faith coming to Jesus, asking him to heal him. But then Jesus's response to him, he says to him in verse 48, unless you people see signs and wonders, you will never believe. And so if this man came in true faith, knowing who Jesus was, I think we would have had a different response from Jesus, right? Because uh, Jesus knows men's hearts. But instead, Jesus is like, hey, unless you guys see signs and wonders, you'll never believe. Like, you're just here for the miracles. In verse 49, the royal official said to him, sir, come down before my child dies. So there's just desperation here. You know, this man is is just really at his wit's end and grasping at straws, basically. It says in verse 48, my footnote in the study Bible says, the you here in verse 48 is plural. Jesus addresses these words to the Galileans as a whole and not just to the official. The response of the Galileans was fundamentally flawed because it disregarded the person of Christ and centered in the need for a constant display of miraculous signs. Such an attitude represents the deepest state of unbelief. And I think we've seen this in other aspects of the ministry of Jesus so far, even though we're early in his ministry, because remember when he cleansed the temple, the response is like, what sign do you give us that you can do these things instead of like, oh, you're right, Jesus, we never should have had money changers in the temple. <laughs> right? It's like, what sign do you give us? Uh, I just gave it. <laughs> 
<laughs> I just cleaned house. It's really interesting. And so they're they're looking for a sign. They're constantly wanting more, more, more. It's never enough. And I think that's interesting to me because I see this tendency even in my own heart where there can be sometimes seasons of unbelief when you're struggling and it doesn't look like God is answering prayer, or at least he's not answering prayer the way that you want him to. And it's easy to get into unbelief where you're just like, God, I need to see more and more proof that you love me, that you're good, that you're in control, that you're going to take care of the situation. And instead of us continuing in unbelief in those times, we need to really repent and recognize that God has shown us all he needs to. In fact, he's shown us more than he needs to. (laughs) And he is active in our lives and he has done so much to sustain us, to provide for us, to bring us to knowledge of himself, to seek us out and draw us to himself. He's died for us. He's taken the punishment for our sins. God doesn't need to keep giving. Okay. He's given enough and we need to respond in faith and repentance, not to keep demanding more and more signs. It's very, very convicting. So As we get into this passage again, the royal official's response is just really heartbreaking, really. He's like, my heart breaks for him because you can just feel the desperation. He's like, please come down before my child dies. And then you see the heart of Jesus here where he responds with, go, your son will live. That's all he says. And I kind of, my heart breaks for Jesus in this moment too, because he loves these people and he's here for them, but he recognizes that there's a level of faith they're not at yet. And it says the man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him and he departed. So he believed that his son was going to be healed and he was going to live. And so he at least believes Jesus has the power to heal his son, which is important. And then what's interesting is I think this belief is contrasted with later in this passage. So let's keep reading and you guys will see what I'm talking about. Now, as he was going down, his slaves met him. So remember, he is traveling back and it was probably about a day's journey. Maybe he would have gone on horseback and it would have been faster, but it still would have taken time. And as he was going down, his slaves met him saying that his child was alive. And that's really touching because when he went a day's journey away to see Jesus, maybe there's probably a large part of him that wondered if his kid would die before he got there and if he'd ever see him again. And they are coming to tell him, these slaves are going out to tell him, hey, your son's alive. Like, that's really sweet, too, because they know he'll be worried. And so the household is going out to let him know as he's coming that his child's alive. And then verse 52 says, he inquired from them the hour at which he had gotten better. And so that to me is like, he's looking for proof that it was Jesus that healed him, right? So there's maybe still a little bit of unbelief here. (laughs) And then they said to him, yesterday at the seventh hour, the fever left him. And then in verse 53 says, so the father knew that it was that same hour at which Jesus said to him, your son will live. And then it says, and he himself believed and his whole household. That's really interesting. This belief is contrasted with the belief that we had that his son was going to get better, right? Because he doesn't have to believe that anymore because his son is better. And so this is a different kind of belief here. Let's see here if it's a different word root than the other belief. I'm double clicking on it in my Lexham English Bible. You look at my Greek lexicon here. It says it has the same idea. I place or repose my trust on either God or the Messiah. 
I rely on them. I commit my life to them. I believe in, I believe on. I cast myself upon them as stable and trustworthy with energy of faith. So that belief is one word. Let me see about the belief for his son getting better if it's a different word. The man believed the word that God had spoken. So it is actually the same word, which is interesting. So I guess in here, and this is context, right? If it's believe is the same word, but the context of it is how we see that he actually believes in Jesus as the Messiah. Let's see if our footnote has anything to say about this. Chapter four, verse 50, this your son will live. The footnote says, Jesus met the demands of Galilean unbelief by healing the official's son, revealing not only his sympathy, but his marvelous graciousness in spite of such a faithless demand for miracles. And that is really touching that Jesus is willing to still heal this man and to work with everyone where they were to try to still bring about belief in him. And it works because the official and his whole family believes in Jesus after this. The hour, the time when the official son improved corresponded precisely with the time that he had spoken with Jesus. This served to strengthen the official's faith. And as a result, the household believed. Let's see if there's anything else in here. I think that's it for that portion. Very interesting. So him and his entire household believed, and that is really amazing. And then it says, verse 54, now this is again a second sign Jesus performed when he came from Judea into Galilee. So when it's saying second sign, I'm guessing it's because um, the first sign of this region was when he turned the water into wine. And so that's interesting too, especially when we like look at the wedding of Cana, it doesn't seem like anyone really knows that Jesus is the one that turned the water into wine, but it must've spread after that event, or maybe it was announced at the wedding itself. Who knows? We're not told how it was spread, but if this is the second sign that he performed when he came from Judea into Galilee, it seems to refer to the where being the first sign. Because in that instance, too, he was coming from the region of Judea into Galilee for the wedding. And then that sign happened. And now he's back after probably months. And he's performed a second sign in this region. And it's just kind of interesting to see that. So we're going to stop here and get into chapter five and lesson 32.